Welcome back to Cloud and Fire. I am your host, Jamie Crumley. This is Season 1, Episode 5. The theme of today's episode is sitting with the grief. During this season of Cloud and Fire, which is airing during the season of Lent, we are contemplating what it means and how it feels to experience the steadfast love of God. How do you experience God's steadfast love, even in times of grief and even as you walk through the wilderness? I invite you to let us know. Send us a message. We are on Instagram and Facebook at Cloud and Fire Pod. On this episode, we are discussing how we're experiencing God's love even as we sit with all the grief and loss of this past year. We're exploring what it means for us to allow ourselves to sit in the grief, to recognize it and to mark it. That in time in which we have lost so many of our neighbors and friends, and we are also reflecting on the loss of intimacy, the loss of closeness during this past year. As we explore the story of Nicodemus and his late night visit to see Jesus, the one who has loved us since the beginning of time, I invite you to reflect upon the ways that Jesus is loving you. What is carrying you through? We look forward with hope, but we also recognize the profound desert and wilderness that we have been walking through. And my friends, I want to let you know that you are never alone. So join us on this conversation today. Without further ado, let's get into it. I'm going to start off with a reflection from the Gospel of John chapter 3, and I will read verses 16 through 21. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have everlasting life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. So all who do evil hate the light and do not come to those and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that God may be clearly seen. So it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. Our guest today is the Reverend Lindsay Bainham Freeman, who is an ordained elder in the United Methodist Church and now serves in the Virginia Conference. She has served in the local church campus ministry and now as the director in the Center for Clergy Excellence, where her work supports identification as well as the development of clergy leaders. 
Lindsay is passionate about worship design, connecting folks in the light of their gifts, and preaching and teaching. Lindsay, I am so glad that you are here with us today. Thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. It's so great to be with you. So great. So today we got to hear a passage where I think part of it is very familiar. Anyone who right. grew up anywhere in the South, you've seen people driving around with John 3.16 as a bumper sticker for God so loved the world. We are all so familiar with that passage. But the second part of that passage that I read, we don't get to grapple with quite as much. And this is all from Nicodemus's conversation at that late night when he snuck off to see Jesus because he wanted to know more about who Jesus was. So when you hear this scripture, how does it resonate with you? Hmm. I, I love, um, yeah, the familiarity, our ears kind of perk up when we hear verse 16. And what I, I love what the gospel writer has done here is connecting it to those early verses in chapter one about the light coming in. Um, and very quickly in, um, in his conversation with Nicodemus, Jesus gets to the heart of the message of this internal human struggle <laughs> um, between what is good and what is evil. And I think Christ, um, Christ coming just illuminates literally and figuratively um, what we share um, in the fact that Jesus became flesh and lived among us. Um, we have a sharing in that, in that life and in that hope. Um, but I, I would also say when I hear this, you know, we don't want to hear about judgment too often. Um, I find that true as a preacher, but also in my experience of small groups and conversations, when judgment comes on the scene, we don't always want to go down that road. <laughs> Yeah. That judgment thing is so tough. And especially when we pair it with this language of everlasting love, which has us feeling all warm and cozy. And then there are still those tough words. And one thing that happens throughout the Gospel of John is that Jesus says lots of tough things. And one thing that the Gospel writer does that's both beautiful and a bit frustrating is that he uses all of this poetic language to frame <laughs> what Jesus does. Um, and yet these words are hard. And like you said, it relates directly back to chapter one, one of my favorite passages of scripture, mm -hmm. um, you know, about how the darkness does not overcome the light. Um, this language of light these days, as we've been going through situations of such uncertainty, how does this language of light and darkness strike you? Yeah, I I think about the massive transition that um, our country and our world has had to go through in light of COVID. Um, in that, we had to be more intentional um, about where we found our sources of joy and connection and light, so to speak. Um, you know, we, we were not created or designed to be in isolation. <laughs> so in an extended season where that is the safest way for us to be, it's hard. Um, it's, it's challenging. Um, and so that's, that's one kind of image that comes to mind. Um, and I think in regards to race, um, and brutality and injustice in our world, this dance between good and evil, light and dark, um, is prevalent in my mind. Um, and and when I and when I hear it here in John, I think it's I'm with you. He, <laughs> the gospel writer uses a lot of flowery language to to get across what they're trying to say. Um, 
but light is a common theme kind of throughout um and i think very poignant to our current our current time and season um in our world yeah i'm really glad because as you started talking i i just started thinking about the work of racial justice and i'm so glad that you brought that up and one thing that i will say for the benefit of our listeners the way that yeah. i know Lindsay is that years and years and years ago not too many years ago neither one of us is that old but years ago <laughs> we um, both did a unit of clinical pastoral education together um in northern virginia uh, which is a great place and where i'm from virginia is awesome i'm so glad yes. you're serving in virginia um, but Virginia is a place with a particularly fraught, I would say, racial history, and it's very connected to the church, right? Like you yeah. are United Methodist. And, I, and so I, I think one of the things that I'm interested in is, first of all, there have been a lot of challenges in your denomination globally, obviously, over LGBTQ issues. So that's, you know, I think another way that this comes up, right? Um, and, you know, I, you know, the Methodist history, we know that, um, your denomination, as well as my denomination, Baptist, um, were very, very good during the Second Great Enlightenment of going around and attracting a lot of enslaved people to the faith, which is why a lot of Black folks in the South continue to cling right. to Methodism and to the Baptist Church because of that right. historical tradition. Um, and yet there's some tension there, right? Um, so yeah what does it mean for us to walk in the light on these really difficult issues that have been framed as political issues but we know they're also that the heart of jesus is about doing the work of justice and the work of radical inclusion what does this scripture point us toward as the way forward yeah i one thing that comes to mind is you know when we're looking for the light or to walk in the light or to be people of the light, sometimes you got to stumble down some dark steps first. <laughs> and so I think for the Methodist church, a lot of that is wrestling with our history that is fraught with racism and injustice um, and wrong. <laughs> um, and so some of the ways in which we can move forward, we have to acknowledge that past. Um, and, um, you know, for, for the Methodist church, um, Se segregation was was a big part of our denomination um and and slavery was a big part of our story um and um pushing people out um who you know who were not welcome is a huge part of our story and um i think we can only learn from it when we sit with it um and so not not just to pass judgment or to say, well, you were wrong and we were right, but it is this collective learning and acknowledgement of history that allows us to move forward, um, to live as people of the light, um, or as one of my favorite Advent hymns, to walk as a child of the light, to live and do and be someone who embodies Christ's light. I love someone who knows how to bring up Advent in a Linton conversation. <laughs> Advent is my absolute favorite season Our of favorite. the church. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I can't get away from all that lightness that we get to talk about during mm -hmm. the season of Advent. And I think this scripture invites us to spend a little bit more time sitting with that, right? Mm -hmm. But I love what you say about that we have to walk through this time of darkness. And I think that's what the season of Lent is really about. We remember Jesus having this experience of suffering, having a wilderness experience. Um, 
and it sounds like one of the things that you know that that you think about a lot in your work is how we can live well through that wilderness experience um so tell us a little bit about your work working with other clergy um sure. how are you keeping you know clergy uh who are just starting out and clergy who have been in um in ministry for a while how yeah. what you know kind of what are your recommendations how do we move forward together yeah gosh what a season um to be um, tasked, appointed uh, to lead faith communities. What a time to do that. And so a lot of my work um, traditionally can be seen as making sure the paperwork's in the right place and people are following the right processes. But what COVID has taught me, um, what um, has come to light uh, following George Floyd's murder and Breonna Taylor's murder is that our clergy are weary um, as they lead their congregations and their faith communities. And so this conviction that I have to still make sure all the processes are happening and to challenge and encourage and support our clergy to be um, caring for themselves in mind, body, and spirit. And that was a deep conviction of mine. Um, and so some of that is permission giving. Some of that looks like permission giving. And so when I talk to clergy, I'm saying, nope, take the day. <laughs> or no, maybe you don't need to preach that this week. Maybe there's a different way that you can feel empowered or safe to say that challenging word. Um, so a lot of it looks like permission giving. Um, and a lot of it looks like just pointing, shining the flashlight. Let's keep that theme of, hey, have you thought about, <laughs> we have these resources available to you in coaching and in, in counseling, um, in mentorship. Um, how might that undergird you in this time that is a wilderness? It is weary. We are, we are still in a season um, that is, is, yet too familiar and still pretty, you know, unfamiliar. Um, so a lot of my work um, has been living into my strength of adaptability and saying, we have to live and be different as church and as, and as leaders of faith, um, because we are entering a new frontier, which is very Lenten. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Right, um, that we have to go through that wilderness experience. We also have to go through that Good Friday experience. We, we have to sit through these experiences of grief and sit and experience our grief. Like mm -hmm. we can, I, I think part of what I hear you saying is that I think as people who are in clergy or people even who are in any care caregiving mm -hmm. profession, I, I just imagine what, healthcare professionals are experiencing and educators are experiencing, you know, going day in and day out, having to live through the kinds of conditions that we're living. And, and I think typically the, the impulse is just to push through it, keep going. And I feel like part of what we might be learning during this time is to acknowledge the way that we are feeling about what's happening in the world around us. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. And, um, you know, if Advent is my favorite season, that movement into Good Friday and to Easter is another in the sense of um, we feel and we sit with and we grieve and we, we have a firsthand account of that sacrifice into new life. Um, 
And, and some of this past year, we're coming up on a year of, of isolation and lockdown and all those things. Some of that is taking the time to grieve um, so that we might experience new life. And so what do you, you know, you don't have to tell me anything definitively, but as you've said, we are now nearing a year um, where pretty much all over the world, uh, with a few exceptions of countries that have done extraordinarily well with dealing with the pandemic. Really yeah. <laughs> um, but in most countries, we're coming up on lockdown for the past year or, you know, even second lockdowns in some countries. Mm-hmm. So what does it what does it look like to grieve well? You know, we're 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 now experiencing where we know that hundreds of thousands of people in America have died because of COVID nineteen. Um, we know that so many are sick, and not to mention, obviously, globally, all the deaths that we've experienced. So, what does it mean for us to be able to sit with that grief and still trust God, even as we sit with that grief? Hmm. Um. My mind immediately goes to our um, siblings in the faith and the Jewish tradition who who sit Shiva and who sit and um, sit with the person who has just passed, sit with um, the grief of that passing and what it means looking forward. And and so some of it is and I I'm looking in a mirror talking to myself right now, too, but some of it is stopping to do that. Um, to resist the go, 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 and I'll just push through and I'll just make it to your point and saying, nope, I'm going to resolve to sit and be and let whatever's going to wash over me, whatever mood, whatever emotion, and and let that happen. I also think about the marking of an Ebenezer to signify a special place, to signify a momentous occasion in the life of faith and in this past year where have we done that or failed to do that um not that we're celebrating the loss of lives because that is that is um a grief too deep uh for words and how are we marking and honoring those lives so that we might do better know better um and 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 step forward into new life yeah, and that's that's a hard thing. That's right? so hard. Yeah, you yeah. know, and I I think it's so smart that you're pointing to the Jewish tradition because I think that is a tradition that really refuses to forget and to fail to acknowledge the the harm that's been done, you know, to their community, right? And they they sit with that, they remember the suffering, and I think within certain aspects of the Christian tradition we are almost fearful to do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we don't like it? Good Friday. Get us to Easter. Right. <laughs> exactly. And I think based on the conversation we're having, even just about racial justice, what does mm. it look like for us as Christians to take a moment to sit with that grief where this is the reality of what has happened and to stop trying to think so much about reconciliation and, oh, we're together now, let's hold hands. And instead to sit with the reality that this is painful. This hurts. This is sad. Um, I, I think that might be a word for us in this moment, you know, when Nicodemus goes to see Jesus and is expecting, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure teaching, but also healing and, you know, perhaps some cuddles. Jesus should have been a nice guy. And Jesus then says, no, actually, I have a hard word for you to sit with. I love you. And I love you enough to tell you 
this word of how you must live. And so perhaps that's, that's a lesson that we can learn here that it's okay to sit with the hard things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for someone like Nicodemus to come in the cover of night and receive a gift of forgiveness and a message of grace and challenge um, means there's hope for all of us, right? Um, I think that's, that is the gospel hope um, in this passage that comes with the challenge, right? The sending forth, the so what um, of this of this passage. Well, amen. So Lindsay, I'm gonna transition into my last question that I have okay. for you. Yeah. So as we've talked about throughout this episode, we are indeed living in times of great grief and great pain. So how, while we're living through these experiences, are you experiencing the steadfast love of God? I, I think a, a patterned life in the scriptures keeps me grounded and steadfast. Um, I, I work and, and live in uh, Common Prayer, a book for ordinary radicals, and that is patterned after the book, after the book of Common Prayer, but um, has scripture and, and song and prayers from people uh, like Martin Luther King Jr. to Martin Luther. Um, and it is, this, um, it is this way for me to step into the long line and tradition of our faith um, and to find grounding in that. Um, so that's, that's a main way that I experience the steadfast um, work of God. And I, and I would say that in watching and um, praying without ceasing for my clergy colleagues, um, I experience God's love in, the, in that too. Um, as I think about, oh, to lead in a time like this. Um, and, and I know that God's grace is sufficient um, and, and that God's love is everlasting and steadfast. Um, and that, that is an assurance, a word of assurance for me too. Well, Lindsay just shared a, um, a book suggestion with us. So I will have to put that in the description to our show. Go write it. <laughs> so I, so we'll have to uh, link that in our show. And if people want to learn more about you and the incredible work that you're doing, how can they learn more? Sure. Um, so I am an Instagram fan, um, LB free. Um, and I, um, I'm on, I can be found on Twitter, but VAUMC.org, um, is where you can find me, um, on our conference website. Great. Well, this has been a conversation with the Reverend Lindsay Bainham Freeman. Freeman. I need to get all of the names in there. That's right. um, she's a, she's a newlywed. When did you get married again? December 4th. In December. So yeah. she's she's still a newlywed, still right. new and enjoying the married life. Um, so I need to get the extra names in Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been such a pleasure to hear from you. All oh, the joy is mine. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cloud and Fire. You can find Cloud and Fire on Facebook and Instagram at Cloud and Fire Pod. Let us know how you are experiencing the steadfast love of God. Our theme music is by the talented Rebecca Silva. Until next time, be well.
and get home safely.